This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation, like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. They say marketing is a madman's game. So now we turn it over to the marketing madman with Trip Job and Darren Rand on Extra 106.3 FM. Happy Saturday. Welcome to the Marketing Madman. Trip Job here with uh, frequent guest host uh, Kevin Wilds. Um, glad to have you here, and uh, we're uh, getting ready for the uh, July 4th weekend. So. I know, it's exciting. Yeah, it's, uh, it's also mid-year, and um, you know, I think uh, got some interesting things to talk about today. Uh, it was a great article uh, that I think we both uh, saw in um, the Harvard Business Review about uh, what businesses are getting wrong in customer journeys. And I know we get asked a lot. I'm not sure about you and your consulting, but uh, you know, you get asked about how do how do we look at a customer journey all the time. I mean, and a lot of times it's not even. They're, they're not always aware that the customer journey is actually the issue. So, you know, when you start saying, well, how do people buy and who do you sell to? They, you know, sometimes you have to back up and rethink that customer journey and actually experience it because it's been a while for some people. Yeah, no, we get in, we get in our patterns. And I think we'll, we'll dive into that because there's a lot of different uh, points in that. And then uh, tease a little bit to maybe the middle segment. Uh, you just got back a few weeks ago from Neocon. I did. And I think um, that's, uh, you know, that in itself will probably be a, a several topics about customer journey and about, uh, you know, how especially, um, you know, companies are selling uh, in a, you know, big uh, forum, you know, whether it's a trade show or, I mean, Neocon's not even a trade show. It's it's yeah. a whole All event. Uh, yeah. it's, a, it's a living, breathing you know, kind of uh, vent for a week. So um, yeah. I think that'll be fun to talk about as well. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's fun because also trade shows and events seem to be back. So it's, it's good to be back out there and, and we'll talk about what we saw. Super. Well, let's uh, dive in. So this um, uh, HBR article talks around that, you know, in, in many cases, they did a study for a few years about customer journeys and what they found uh, was right or wrong. And and what they were saying is that, um, you know, in many cases, uh, they felt that uh, businesses were uh, oversimplifying uh, the customer journey. So, um, and, and I say oversimplifying, being too simplistic, um, because we will get into simplifying the experience, right. um, which is a positive. Uh, but that uh, many businesses were looking at um, maybe just one or two instances of a customer journey and just assume that all their customers, you know, come through this path. Right. And I, 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 it was, it's a great article. I think it does a really good job of, you know, deep diving into the psychology of how people buy. And, you know, I can remember, you know, back in retail for, and it's still a thing out there, you know, uh, really it was about touches, you know, it was about high touch, low touch, or no touch, you know, so it was really, to your point, uh, almost an oversimplification that people either want a lot of service, they want a little service, or they want no service, sort of the vending machine model. This does a much better job of sort of explaining what that means and expanding on that. Yeah, and I think um, the thing I like about this article, and, and for those of you who get HBR, it's uh, in the July-August issue, 
Um, and they talk about that you really think about the journey itself and that you may wind through it to your, let's use the, the high touch, uh, low touch, no touch. Um, there may be pieces of it where you're at different stages. You want no touch right, right up front. You're doing your own work. Right. right, and then you want a little bit of touch, and then when you get closer to the end, you really want that customization, high touch, and uh, it really kind of it breaks it down. So um, let's you know they talk about four different customer journeys, and let's set it up with that, and then we'll maybe get in and talk about some examples and, and all that. So uh, the first one they talk about is the routine. So uh, customer journey that is both effortless and predictable. Um, and we'll, we'll come back to all of these. The second one, I kind of like this uh, um, description, a joyride. Yep. So there's, there, there's eff, um, effortless, but it's unpredictable. Exactly. You're not sure what you're going to get, exactly. right? That's a great name. Um, the third one is a trek where there's a lot of effort there, um, but there's predictability. And then the fourth and last one is an odyssey that is both effortful and unpredictable. Exactly. It's and you're like thinking, yeah, yeah, and you think about, oh, God, why would, why would someone want to go through an odyssey? But I think that's the point is there are customers out there that are looking for that. And maybe we can get into certain examples of where you need to, to understand that. And if you're too simplistic and too predictable, you might be missing out on some potential customers. Right. And I, and, you know, I, and we'll get into it as well. You know, sometimes you're the, the same customer has many different needs depending on when they shop and what they're shopping for. So, you know, it's not always uh, once you fall into one of these categories, that's you and that's the type of shopper you are, or that kind of, you know, person who needs to be marketed to in a specific way. You're going to change. You may change, change, change day to day. You may change in the same visit or the, the same interaction with a brand. So it's really interesting how they mix and match. Yeah. So let's just go kind of to uh, the routine a little bit. And, you know, I think we see it at times with um, some of our clients and their customers that, you know, that are on a, you know, routine transaction. Um, they're looking for their core core items and, you uh, you know, uh, one of the examples here is a lot of the, um, you know, quick service restaurants and things like right. that who, you know, just make it easy all the way through the process to order and, and step through. And I know I know some of your clients, so you've got some out there that uh, I don't know whether you call it easy or not. I think the <laughs> fax machines are still involved in yes, the ordering are, process. I, I want to get your opinion place, of yep. that. Um, but the, the whole part is for those customers that you're really uh, entrenched with, that, you know, you look, 80% of what they're going to do is standard. How do you make this so simple right. that, uh, you know, they they don't have to work hard to uh, to do business with you? Well, and, and they talk about it being routines, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, if it's something that you do all the time, they talk about Starbucks, you know, if you're Starbucks really has multiple ways that their experiences work. But if you are that person that wakes up, you know, the latte that you want and how you want it, and you just need to be able to swing by and grab it and then get to work. You know, so those type of routines. You see this a lot too. I think it's sort of subscription services. You know, online, mm-hmm. so that you know you're always going to need this item. You're going to need it at a certain time every two months or whatever. So you sign up just so it's easy and you don't have to think about it. So that's really where I think this routine comes in. It's just something that you do every day, every week, every month, every year. And you want it to be as simple as possible. And therefore, it's a much more enjoyable experience. Yeah. You know, we see it with a lot of the um, members of the Urban Ag Council. You know, a lot of them are in the commercial landscaping right. area. And so, you know, it's that it's not just, uh, hey, they're there every Monday, you know, doing the um, 
uh, the general maintenance, but it comes down to, you know, they're uh, once a month, you know, like clockwork, they're updating the flowers at uh, the entrance to a, a office complex. And they're taking, you know, they basically develop the plan and say, here's what we're going to do. And every month, you don't even have to think about it. We're going to put in the right. most recent flowers. Every week they're checking if something's dead, they're replacing it. You know, they're always doing it and taking the work out of the property manager's hands because they don't have to think about, oh, I need to do this for this time of the year. Um, right. You know, they, they're right now with uh, July 4th, they're putting out uh, flags for them when they're, they're coming in this week. You know, those type of things just to make life easy. Well, and with this routine, of course, it's effortless and predictable. So, you know, I, I think that you have to think about it, too, if this is a type of customer that you either have or trying to attract. You also want to make sure your marketing speaks to it as well. If it's if it takes a while to explain in your marketing how effortless and predictable your system is, then you probably need to rethink your marketing. So it really that whole experience needs to start with, uh, of course, your brand and marketing and all the way through that buying experience. I think that's a great point. Um, you know, are you when we don't do this enough, I think uh, businesses, you know, I know from my time in corporate America, we don't do that self audit. Right. And go back and we think about, um, you know, well, I understand it, but to someone else. And I'm going right. to use, I think I used this, you know, maybe six, eight months ago. Um, you know, I was at uh, Belgard and we walked in and we, you know, on our website, we had the elements line and there was this picture of a wood box. Okay. Mm -hmm. It didn't even have, you know, the outdoor fireplace. Mm -hmm. And I had asked people and, oh, well, that's our outdoor fireplaces and kitchens. And everyone knew what elements was. I go, I don't know what elements is. <laughs> I just came and I, you know, I, I surveyed 10 to 20 friends and they all go, I have no idea what this area is. I understand retaining walls. Right. I understand patio pavers, but what is elements? Uh, yeah, and and all of a sudden our journey wasn't because we used an industry or in that case, almost a company terminology. And then I, I got the other excuse of, well, our contractors know. I go, great, but we're marketing to consumers. Right, right. You know, and so sometimes we get in our own colloquialisms, our own um, terminology, and we need to bounce it off someone, especially if you're going outside of that audience. Absolutely. And it, it's interesting because the customers you have are fairly predictable. You know what they've been doing, especially if you've been in business for a while. It's, it's that new customer that you're really talking about, too. And, and many times it's difficult to concentrate on that. You know, you say everybody knows, everybody already knows who we are. We've already captured everybody. Um, a lot of these things really start to make you question, that's great. Our, our people are our people and they know what we do. There's not a lot, you know, we could do stuff to lose them, but ultimately we're you know, not going to do thing, anything that's detrimental. It's really about the new customers too. Where, who are you going after and how do you change that experience? Yeah. No, I think that's a great point. I know you've got a client you're working with, um, it's kind of in that mindset. They've got their core audience, right. but they know there's business out there, and right. you're trying to help them. I mean, you're going out, as you've told me, and going out and looking at essentially the marketplace where these uh, you know businesses come to um, uh, buy the products, right. and it's not you know it's through a dealer distributor for the most part. And what type of things are you looking for? You know, what are you trying to help your client with to understand maybe the clients or the customers they don't have today? Well, of course, there's a, a massive amount of research that needs to be done on existing clients and then ultimately deciding where you want to go. And so you're looking at where the market's going. You're looking at where your clients are comfortable going because you don't want to leave them behind. 
And then, of course, you have to look at your business model about where you're comfortable expanding into. And then, you know, learn from your clients, learn what you've done well, but really do that research to learn where you're going next and understand that customer to define their experience, which is, you know, what this article talks about. Yeah, and I think, you know, we'll, we'll delve into the next section a little bit, but um, I'm sure, because I've seen it at times, too, where all of a sudden you're talking to uh, one or two of these, you know, um, independent you know, customers, and you get this aha that no one ever talked about. Right. And, uh, I mean, that's just like the wonderful. Then you can start using it with other uh, potential clients as well. So um, we will be back, and we'll dive in a little more to the customer journeys and the other three out there. And you're listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3 with Trip Job and Kevin Wilds. We'll be right back. Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the Marketing Mad Men. Trip Job here with uh, special guest uh, host Kevin Wilds. It's great to have Kevin back again. Great to be back. And we're talking about uh, different types of customer journeys and uh, things that uh, businesses can really think about uh, with this Harvard Business Review article. And we kind of hit the routine, um, which one of uh, the potential uh, customer journeys, which is uh, an effortless and predictable. I think that's the the one that a lot of businesses, you know, really try to strive to. And there's there's definitely um, uh, desire to do that in many cases. The second one, though, I think is one that, um, you know, there's a lot of opportunity to create even more ambassadors. And that's called the Joyride, which, again, I love the, the, the name of it. Uh, but this is a customer journey that is, again, effortless but unpredictable right. because we get in patterns and we want to try. I want to try something new from places that I already trust the experience. Right, exactly. And uh, Kevin and I are also, we, we have a beer group. So we go out to different microbreweries around town and all that. Yep. Um, so we enjoy that. So I enjoy different types of beers. I know Kevin does too. But to me, the first example I thought of when I thought of this joyride of effortless but unpredictable is the beer department at the Fresh Market. Right. And about, I don't know, it was two years ago, I think it was, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they opened up the um, Make Your Own Six Pack. Yep. And so they've got all the, the regular six packs, and then they break down some of theirs. Not all of them. It's, it's a defined section. So there's, I don't know, 30 choices it's or exact, something. Yeah. And you can mix and match, you know, for a set price. And I can go in, and there's just times where... I want to try something different. I don't want to buy a whole six-pack of it. And I go in, I find three beers, and I buy two each. Right. And it's funny because that's a great example because of the fact that you, uh, and this is what we were talking about before, you're not always going to be the same type of customer uh, yeah. on, on any given day. So something that was uh, currently you were in the routine area where, you know, it was effortless and predictable. You went in and picked up your six-pack six and you went home. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, one day, you're like, wait a minute, the, all six of these don't have to be the same beer. And all of a sudden, you're a joyride, uh, and you're in a joyride. You know you're going to walk out with beer. Still going to be a six pack, but now you get to choose. And fresh, and we all admit, you know, fresh market's probably not my day in day out. Right. But I love the fresh market. So guess what? Once a month, when I go in to get that mixed six pack, guess what else I'm getting? You know, yeah. steak, seafood, <laughs> right. you know, salad, whatever. I mean, 
to me, it, it was a brilliant strategy by them to add a little bit of that unpredictability, bring people in for different reasons. Um, and, you know, it's, it's never I'm going to walk out just with that six-pack. Right. And I think that it's really interesting. Uh, again, I, I like the name Joyride as well. You know, there's two – in my life, there's two ways to be kind of miserable. One is to be really predictable because you get bored if it's the same thing every single day. The other way is to, for everything to be completely unpredictable because then you're, you know, you basically have high anxiety and it's a terrible day. This really, you know, does a good job of explaining how – if you have something that's predictable to a point where you can, or I'm sorry, that's effortless, I should say, to a point where you just know you're going to walk in and walk out, like you said, with a trusted brand or a trusted system, but also unpredictable in the fact that there's a little extra to it. There's a little yeah. something that you didn't expect, some exploratory aspect to it, which is really what a joyride is all about. Um, yeah. You know, that's that's the fun. And I think you mentioned subscriptions earlier. I think this is an area that, um, you know, businesses that have a either um, – subscription plan or a routine set of work they do for clients can be in any number of areas you know here's the opportunity just to every now and then add something you know it's not not required but make it available it might be seasonal in nature you know whether it's restaurant related or whether it's uh, service related Um, but you add just a little something um, and you, you don't need everyone to pick it up but Again, you've got the credibility that you're effortless, and then you're just adding something at the right time. And right. another another great example, and um, uh, you know, a friend of ours who's in the um, you know window and gutter cleaning business, uh, they started the holiday lights, you know, a few years back. So all of a sudden, they've got the crews; they're already out there doing you know traditional service work, and you know, they started adding. Hey, we've we've got it. We already know the house. We've got all the you know the ladders and everything else. And they started to um, first inventory. So you know you you do the lights every year for somebody. Right. And it's just to me, it's boy, you know, if someone came in and said, "Hey, I can do this for you, and it's going to cost X, and then I'll keep it for you, and you don't have to store it in your garage." I mean, again, I, I think that's another great example of how you can expand your business a little bit. Well, and, and it absolutely is. And in, in marketing and especially in the digital realm and digital marketing, uh, you know, this is really plays to what commonly referred to as pretotyping. So pretotyping, of course, being before a prototype. And the idea being that digitally I can float out an idea. Subscription service is a great example mm-hmm. where I literally can just put a GIF or, or something in an email and say, would you also like, be interested in this? And it doesn't cost you anything. You don't have to stock it first. You can just float it out there, say it's going to be available in six weeks. And if nobody's interested, then it's not available in six weeks. You know, So you know, the ability to really try to start playing with the, with the joy part of this, with the joyride mm-hmm. part of this, is really low cost of entry and, and can open up new avenues for your company, but also open up new avenues for the customer base that you're going after. I love what Kevin said there. It's, um, it's a way to experiment without being all in. Right. And that's right. important, especially in this economy. You know, we want to make sure that you're not putting a, a whole bunch of money into something and then realize that uh, you were wrong. You know, it's much better to prototype. Yeah. No, that's super. So let's um, let's jump on to the next one called the Trek, which uh, there is effort, uh, but it's predictability. All right. And so how do you um, you know, how do you take someone through this idea of, you know, it's going to take a while. A couple of their examples were things such as, um, 
you know, learning a language, financial planning, uh, things like that that are not, you know, not a one-time type transaction. It's going to be something that, um, you know, goes on over a period of time. But you want to have, you know, standard procedures. You want to up front kind of let people know uh, what's going on. Um, and, you know, I think this is one that's, you know, a challenge for people because I think a lot of businesses – don't put the work in up front to really define what the process is going to look like. Right. And I, I think that, and I may be um, jumping to another one here, but I think also there's a certain amount of gamification and a certain amount of um, stage gate, if you will, for these types of endeavors. So this is something that you know it's going to take a while to get to. You get small rewards as you go through. I think they use the Apple Watch. They use mm-hmm. uh, Babel, a, a language app. But you know what you're going after. You mentioned the language. You're, you're going after fitness. It's mm-hmm. not something you're ever going to 100% attain. We all wish we could just work out and then we're done. Um, but it is giving you a little bit, uh, you know, knowing that you've taken those steps and you got rewarded in some way, be it a digital reward or some sort of a, of a um, another type of reward if you were doing it in brick-and-mortar retail or a, a coupon or something like that. So the ability to continue along, the, on, along your route in a trek, it's something that's planned, um, but at the same time is um, the word they use, of course, is effortless. Right, and I think one of the keys is, and, and we talked early on, there's a difference between simplistic and simplifying, right? Right, And so simplistic is the case of you're trying to make uh, all things into one, right? And that's, you know, that's what we're learning now is that, look, there are multiple types of people and journeys. Simplifying is, are there ways to better, regardless of which of these journeys you're on, make it easier to use? And I think, you know, we've both been in the building materials home improvement space. Right. And I think one of the ones that comes to mind is really explaining and going through the process of a home improvement project. It's a good, and a good I would example, say, yeah probably 80 to 90% of the businesses out there end up with some type of a dispute or complaint from the homeowner because they really didn't understand there's going to be a messy part of this process. Absolutely. And and, and getting you're absolutely right building a home, doing yep. a project, uh, but building a home probably being the the largest projects a lot most people will ever be involved in is a trek. And yeah. you know it's going to be effortful, but imagine if it was predictable. Imagine if you know, there's the old adage, it's going to cost twice as much and take twice as long as you think. What if it didn't? What if it cost exactly what you were told and it took exactly the amount of time or, you know, a little less? You know, that would be a huge win for that industry and, and ultimately make that trek that much more enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, the condo I moved into last year, you know, it was a new new construction. And prior to have been in, in this industry, you know, it had been, I don't know, 10 years or whatever since I had, uh, you know, moved into a new home, had major projects. I didn't know what I knew then. And so I know my my understanding of the process was night and day. Now my neighbors who most of them who had not, you know, been in the industry, you know, there were things that just, you know, would kind of they throw up their arms. And I'm like, you know, again, it can be explained better, but right. you know, make this part a little more um, you know, predictable what's gonna happen. Right. But um it's gonna require effort. There's no way around it. Well, and, and how I, do you do that? And, and I think a good example of where that fails would be um, in the travel industry. You know, there yeah. are some airlines that you expect this trek to be predictable. You've uh, bought a ticket. You're going to get on a plane at a certain time. It's going to take off at a certain time and land at a certain time. And when that breaks down, uh, when that 
effort is not predictable when you're sitting on the runway and nobody will tell you how long you're going to be sitting there and, <laughs> and you don't know what's going on, uh, that's when it falls apart. So I, I think it's you know, really important to uh, pay attention to, of course, what your customers are, are looking for, but then to deliver. And if, yeah. you're, if you're planning the trek, make sure you're doing it right. Yeah. So one of the, I, I will say the takeaway here, um, if you are in this area, let's say you are in the home improvement space. Um, you know, they really talk about the, they call it the design principle of goal posting, uh, making sure that you've identified what the goals are, what the steps are. And so, you know, the customer understands where along that trek they're going and they don't assume that it's one, two, three, you know, the right. old lollipop, right, <laughs> you're, exactly. you're done, right? right you know, exactly. it's one through nine right. and uh, where you're going to go, so. Well, predictable requires you to communicate it. So, you know, one, one of the things we've talked about often on this show, and I know you guys have, is, you know, that marketing is no longer a speech. It's now a conversation. So if you're not having a conversation with your customers and your prospective customers, then you're going to miss all of these cues. Yeah. So the last one that's hit is called the Odyssey. So, again, effort um, definitely involved. and But here – unpredictability, but in a good way, right? right? Well, well, you know, we just kind of talked about using the home building or home improvement process of where maybe it's unpredictable in a negative way, but how do you create an odyssey that people are actually looking to um, be involved in? Right. And it it takes a while. And I think, you know, I, I will say, I think some of the streaming services, you know, whether it's um, Netflix and some of their uh, series and some others have created odysseys, you know, that many of us have uh, enjoyed, right? <laughs> right. But it, it's it's, a, never it's work, yep. right? Uh, HBO and others have done that. I mean, whether it's Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, you know, we, you know uh, Ozark, and, yeah. and you're, you're kind of taken here run. and there, and you, it truly is an odyssey of what's going on. Uh, those are easy to think of in a positive light, but how does a business do that, you know, and get the positive side out of that unpredictability? Well, and I, I think that it's, it's something that actually wasn't mentioned in this, but I think there's an underlying aspect of community in this. So it's it's great to be putting forth a lot of effort, um, and it's unpredictable if you're with friends or if you're with a company that you feel like is going to take care of you. So together you're struggling, together you're exploring and, and doing Tesla. stuff that's unpredictable. Tesla is a good example. Uh, they use CrossFit, you know, they mm-hmm. use, um, you know, and they use digital platforms too, like the Adobe community yep. and how they manage that. And the reason, and I'll talk about Adobe just on the design side of what I do, you know, the idea that there's a lot of programs with a lot of deep um, functionality uh, to be creative about, there's also a whole community that when I get stuck or if one of my team gets stuck, they can reach out and say, I don't know what's yeah. going on with this new version, and somebody's there to pick them up. So it's constantly a lot of effort put in. Those are just tools, and there's a lot of work that needs to happen. And it is unpredictable because there's so much that you can do, but there's somebody there to, to help you out and hold uh, you up. One that's you know close to me right now because I've been doing a lot of work for a client is HubSpot. Yeah, I mean, you can, you can have any CRM, but I'll say HubSpot, especially for the small to mid-market um, there is a big community because, you know, when we're talking CRM and marketing and automation tools, right. uh, that is very much an odyssey if you're not sure what you're doing. But I think that's a great example of how the community and HubSpot has worked hard to create both their own technical support, but also a community of, you know, consultants and advisors and right. ambassadors, right. some who are not even consultants, just power users 
to help others through the system. And and that's that's a great example. Uh, we use HubSpot quite a bit too. And you know, the deeper you go, the deeper you got to go. I mean, there's a lot of ways to expand upon that. And the more you do that, um, the more you realize the value of that community. And again, it's it's unpredictable in the fact that um, you know I don't always know what's going to work uh, within that system, and we're always trying something. But having that support is essential. Yeah, no question. So, um, so that one, you know, I think that's probably the the hardest. But there are ways to, you know, if you have a longer sales cycle, if you want to infuse, um, you know, maybe at times some unpredictability, um, you know, how are you going to handle that? How are you going to, uh, you know, move people along the journey? And uh, I think those are some ways to think about it. I think, you know, as we wrap up and talk about, the, um, you know, these different types, I think it comes back to, a, you know, a couple things. And it's one is, and I want to get your opinion, Kevin, it's truly understanding not only your current customers, um, but who may be that one or two key non-customer? Right. Uh, you know, it's really, and when you say that too, it's really about understanding your market. It's, uh, you know, understanding the customers you have is fairly easy because uh, you talk to them every single day. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not to say that you don't know, that you know everything about them. So you should be, you know, expanding your questioning and, and your conversations with them. But understanding the market and where the market is headed to um, really find the customers that maybe you're leaving to the wayside or they're shopping elsewhere because they're expecting a different experience um, that you're not providing. And, I, you know, we deal with that quite a bit. Uh, it makes uh, it's a lot easier uh, to not do that, just to, you know, continue to expand the customers you currently have. It's also a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's essential if you're going to be growing your company to really understand that market and talk to other customers. We use a lot of things, voice of the customer, you know, we – um, surveys, uh, a lot of it now, um, especially with events and trade shows coming back up, uh, has, you know, having meaningful conversations with people now face to face, I always find is very um, beneficial, sometimes much more beneficial than uh, just putting out a survey and then calling and asking people questions. It's also difficult. Um, you know, you may want to hire somebody yeah. who does this for a living uh, yeah. to write a non leading question so you're not driving them to where you expect them to be. Um, so it's important, though, to do multiple ways. of Well, and that's there. a great point. I want to get your opinion, and then I'll, I'll share mine. Absolutely. Um, I want so, to hear how you were doing the voice of the customer stuff. Yeah, well, and, and I think one of the great questions is sometimes asking, you know, is there a reason you're not using our product, you know, versus why you use someone else's? Right. Um, but let's let's go back to trade show, and we'll, in the last segment we'll, we'll get your experience at Neocon, but... Um, there's a couple places you can ask that question. And I think sometimes we, there's biases on how someone will answer. If you, you can ask it at a big trade show, right? Right. You can ask it, um, in the customer's environment, maybe their, their place, you know, directly, or you can ask it maybe at a, um, independent, maybe it's a big box store somewhere where they buy the product. Um, have you seen differences in how people, how open and how honest they are, depending on where you're asking those questions? Not what you ask, but where. Right. Uh, definitely. Uh, and, uh, you know, it also, the I'll give a good example back when I was working with Home Depot. So Home Depot, um, you know, we had quite an effort to sign the aisles to make sure that they had the appropriate information in the aisle um, so that you knew the product you were buying and, and you could navigate your way, way around from complicated items to simple items. And I can remember um, doing a study where we put a bunch of signs in actually the trim work aisle. 
And then we interviewed people when they were leaving and said, you know, did the signage help? And like most of them were like, absolutely found exactly what I needed. Well, we were also um, uh, doing video in this aisle and we were watching them. And most of the people, like 99.9% of them, didn't look at any of the signage. So they actually told us the signage was awesome. It was the best thing ever. But in reality, they knew exactly what they needed, and they went right to the bay, and they picked it up, and they left. So they didn't even read the signage. Yeah. So a lot of times, it's, it's not only where they're at. It's, where they're, it's not only physically where they're at, but it's also where their mind is at. So they were obviously already going in as a destination, knew what they were doing. So we had to change the, we, the way that we did that. We also had to change who we were asking because we wanted somebody who had not been in the aisle, was yeah. not a constant trim work uh, type of buyer. Um, and it made a lot more sense. And we do the same thing when we're at events. You know, we spend a lot of time asking people, what do you do? You know, um, what are you looking for at the show? What have you seen? Those type of questions open-ended to sort of pre-qualify whether or not, um, uh, first of all, our product and service is something they'd be interested in, but then also to really listen as to what they say to those things to find out what they're interested in. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. So, you know, I've done a lot of uh research and voice of the customer and you know i find at trade shows you're going to get superficial answers there's a lot going on um i use trade shows more often to screen people that i want to follow back up with right you know are they are they truly a customer or are they a potential customer and can i get them in an environment that i'm not going to get a superficial answer exactly and and i think also in trade shows too if you have the ability, if you have a customer or that is also a friend, you know, walk the trade show as the full show. And so a yeah. lot of times what they're telling you, maybe they don't want to hurt your feelings, you know, when you walk the show and they're like, and they're really excited about somebody else's product or service, that'll tell you a lot too. So, you yeah. know, it's really being observational and making sure that you're aware. No, oh, that's a great point. Um, another one I find is that people, and I think it goes to your Home Depot example. So I've done a lot um, with, you know, building materials companies at Lowe's and Home Depot. And I find that if I am in the place where they buy most of their product, that I don't get a true, open, honest answer. Right. You know, back to your point of, well, they tell you because they're around. Um, But what we would do in, in a number of different products, you know, many times they would buy some you know, from the big box, and then they buy most of them from a building uh, supply store, right? right? And what I typically found was if I was doing the in-aisle at, uh, you know, one of the big boxes, and they were 90% buying at the builder supply, I typically got a lot better, deeper information about what they liked or didn't like about products. Right. Now, if it was the other way around, that's when I started to get superficial. I think people, when they're in that environment, they don't want to say something negative. They don't want to say something that someone might overhear. Exactly. And um, so it's, it's difficult. Now, the last area is if you go on their job site or their environment, you know, that's the hardest one to get to. But then I think that's where you're going to get fully, you know, open, honest type information. Absolutely. And, you know, and the more uh, many times uh, you got to be very aware and and very good about how you record this information. But if you can get them in a social setting, if you can get them comfortable and they're actually start talking, then that's when you get um, some of the real stories about what they really think. Uh, People like to be liked and they like to please other people. So a lot of times, you know, if they they like you and you ask them a hard question, they're going to answer in a way that, um, uh, you know, they think is not offensive or, or, you know, makes everybody happy. And what you're looking for a lot of times are the things that are difficult. 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, look, if you if you need this type of research, Kevin, what's the best way for them to find you? Um, so, yeah, so my um, company, my marketing company is called Wilhome. It's W-I-L-H-O-M-E. Um, it's at wellhome.com. And you can reach me at Kevin at wellhome.com. And um, also I serve as uh, the head of a furniture company in, in regard to strategy and sales. Uh, so if, uh, if you're looking for furniture at model number, which is model-no.com, uh, you can look me up there. Super. Well, we'll be right back. We're going to talk a little bit about Neocon, and you've been listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3. Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the Marketing Mad Men. Trip Job with uh, my special guest host, Kevin Wilds. And, um we are. Uh, we've been talking about customer uh, journeys, and let's just take a minute to kind of do a, a summary of, you know, ways, uh, Kevin, your thoughts of, um, um, you know, how to really go about some of this, and then I want to tap into some of the thoughts you had at Neocon, and uh, you know, because there'll be some great examples from that as well. Okay. Well, I think it. You know, at this point, to just kind of go back through. We've talked about the four different types of experiences or ways to categorize these. The routine being effortless and predictable. A joyride, which is effortless and unpredictable. A trek, which is effortful and predictable. And then an odyssey, which is effortful and unpredictable. So we went through all of those. I think it comes down to, two: how do you evaluate what's right for you or, or which versions of these are right for you? Uh, you know, when we talked about the, and they call them archetypes, but uh, when we talk about these, I think one of the first things you do is you start looking at your product. So mm-hmm. is, does your product lend itself to sort of this constant odyssey of effortful and unpredictable and you're just constantly working on it like we talked about with CrossFit? Yeah. Or is it something that's much more routine, you know, like we talked about with coffee? You know, you know how your coffee, you like your coffee, and every morning yeah. you're going to give it at this time and get back to work. So I think really evaluating your products to make sure that you understand what makes sense. Because if you have that example, if you have an effortful and unpredictable coffee experience every morning, I don't know anybody who wants that. You know, it's it's so difficult to make it and and you don't know what you're going to get. Yeah, and if you know, I've been working and talking to a number of um, businesses that, you know, have maybe a base product, but... You know, they're getting more and more into the customization, you know, and this, again, probably in the building material space. And so how do you go about that? How much customization? And then how do you how do you handle that custom um, journey? Right. Right. How do you make it easier for the client so that, you know, you don't get frustrated? Maybe you're doing an online design. All right. And, you know, do you do people just start dropping off because there's too many choices? And I've seen that sometimes a lot where, you know, people just have the base and then they have 37 different options. You know, is that the right place or do you want to have five starter that maybe, you know, think about cars, for instance, you know, you got base packages and you got and then you got your next package up. And what they're doing is making that customer journey easier. So instead of having, you know, 30 different um, variables of how to build this, um, 
you know, a shed or some unit out there, um, you have five kind of packages that each right. one of them may have four to seven options already as the base. And then you can add a few things on. All of a sudden, you make that journey a little easier and a little simpler, um, but still allow people to customize. Well, and I, absolutely. And I think what you're talking about, too, is you're designing the journey. It's not something that you fall into or like, hey, that seemed to work, and it just, you just kind of lucked into it. You're actually consciously thinking about the journey. And that's actually the second part here is, you know, using design principles to actually figure out that journey. And, and you know, we've talked about this before when I was on here before you know, use your own product, uh, take your own journey, see if it makes sense. Uh, but then at the same time, ask people who don't work for you and don't have anything to do with it and ask to see if it makes sense to them. But it needs to be very thoughtful. It needs to be very well thought out. And ultimately, you're going to try um, different things to see what works. But if it's if it's too complicated and you have somebody that's looking for routine or if it's too unpredictable and, and you know, uh, then you're going to have issues. If you don't have time or the budget right now to do a full scale, to call someone like Kevin or call someone like us at Rand, do what Kevin just said. And, and I think you may have been one of the people I asked when I first got to Old Castle. But I sent to about 10 to 15 people, I said, and I gave each one of them uh, a different product. So I had every product had about three people. But mm-hmm. I said, go out and try to source this and tell me what you think. Right. Exactly. You know, Tell me about your amazing the feedback you get. Yeah, it's so important. It's yeah. so important. Um, the other part that this talks about, too, of course, is uh, making sure that you're doing the right thing at the right time. So, you know, they talk about queuing uh, purchase decisions. It comes back to the same thing we're talking about, you know, it's very specific mm-hmm. to, you know, really CTAs or calls to action. But making sure that you're um, not making it difficult no matter how you're going about this, which talks back to your initial thing about simplicity. Um, simplifying doesn't necessarily mean that it's easy to do. You know, you can write up a simple plan that's difficult for you as a company to implement, but it's so important to be um, doing the right things at the right time. Super. I think these are great points. we got about uh, three to four minutes left. I do want to hit your thoughts about Neocon. It's great that it was back. Um, It's a full experience, um, you know, and the whole – I don't know if, you know, lifestyle, furniture, building, right. you know, interior design space. What what did you see? What were your takeaways, um, you know, from uh, from being back this year? Well, Neocon is really the um, uh, one of the largest workplace architect and designer shows um, in the furniture industry, furniture and materials, I should say. So it's everything from flooring and fabric to furniture, primarily corporate. Also, you know, of course, there's some hospitality and healthcare uh, designers there as well. So it's it's an event in uh, Chicago, just real quick. It's in the Merchandise Mart, but there's also showrooms around the Merchandise Mart from other companies like Kohler. Uh, the, uh, the event was very well attended. It's probably had as many people there as I've ever seen, which is great. Everybody was back, if you will. The interesting thing about it is trends for that side of the industry, for workplace. Um, you can kind of see where things have gone and where they're going back to. Uh, there was quite a bit of innovation in regard to 3D printing and sort of prefab um, items. Um, years ago, there was a push, and it, and uh, still prevalent in some areas today, about open offices, mm-hmm. where they basically took out all the offices and spaces and put everybody at desk. And then um, I, I was sort of on the wrong side of that. I kept saying I didn't think that was going to work, and ulti- because it's hard to talk on the phone when you're sitting right next to somebody else talking on the phone. 
Uh, this year, there was even more people building offices. So those freestanding offices and phone booths and quiet areas um, with air filtration and everything. So there was quite a bit of that. So they're bringing offices back to open office spaces. Um, so it was a great show overall, a good chance for everybody to you really, really do a lot of uh, um, grassroots customer research, a lot of talking to people, yeah. a lot of talking to customers. So what did you see, you know, did you see more focus on product, more focus on trends such as either sustainability or, you know, you mentioned uh, uh, filtration, air filtration, right. and things like that. Was it product or was it trends in the workplace that you think uh, stood out or a little bit of both? Well, it's a product show. I mean, so ultimately there's always that focus on product. Uh, there were definitely trends. There were still, you know, designer hand sanitizer solutions and stuff like that. Uh, a lot of... Um, a lot of sustainability efforts. Uh, you know, there still needs to be a lot more done on that side. It's basically companies who haven't been real sustainable trying to, you know, do a 180 and or uh, maybe not quite a 180, but uh, turn back around and uh, do some sustainable practices, which they're making a lot of efforts to, which is great. Um, but a uh, lot more work to be done there. But there's definitely some trends there. It's not a revolutionary show as much as it is an evolutionary show so um we saw but we did see a lot of uh nods to the pandemic and to ultimately what people can do to stay healthier in a workplace or um there's also still that uh cross over to home so home offices and office offices right. are are now becoming synonymous yeah fascinating well i'm glad to hear that um you know, you're seeing people come back with the shows we've been to this year. We're seeing the same things. I do think, you know, much to some of our discussions, you do have to approach shows a little bit differently. Right. And I think it's less about how much you bring in and it's more about the dialogue you set up. So uh, with that, Kevin, thanks so much for joining us well, today. Um, hopefully everyone enjoyed the discussion around customer journeys. And uh, if, you know, you want to reach out, you can uh, get Kevin at Kevin at Wilhelm.com. And then, of course, you can get me at tjob at randing.cc. So until next week, have a fantastic July 4th holiday. And you've been listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership, eligibility, and base savings account that keeps $5 minimum balance required. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.